Hello and welcome to episode 159 of the Juicebox Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Omnipod and by Dexcom. These two companies together make up my favorite diabetes technology. Omnipod, of course, the tubeless insulin pump that I love so much, and Dexcom, makers of the continuous glucose monitor that helps me make all the decisions that you hear about here on the podcast. You'll be able to learn more in the show or by visiting myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox or dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. There's also links in the show notes. I've been really fortunate to speak with some children on the podcast, you know, people in their early teens who have really this amazing grasp of their diabetes and even a way of understanding life that seems beyond their years. Last summer, I was contacted by William's mother, and she said William is one of those kids. I found William to be hard to put into words, really. William is mature and thoughtful, focused. He's spectacular. He really is. I had a fantastic time speaking with William. I think you're going to have an equally amazing time listening to him. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making changes to your medical plan. William. Yeah. Hey, man. How are you? Scott. Good. How are you? I'm doing great. William, why don't we get started by you telling me a little bit about yourself? I'm William Alger. I'm about 15 years old, almost almost 16 now. So, you see, in 16 years, that's pretty much all you can accumulate. About yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm William. I'm 16. I mean, it's not like I can I can declare my profession or anything. So, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm an aspiring 17 year old. <laughs> yeah. Well, William. So I'm I'm. I'm really thrilled you want to do this. It's really cool of your mom and you to like uh, be good about this. So um, we're talking today because you you wanted to come on the podcast. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you listen? Yeah, I've li- I've listened to some. Um, it's it's my mom is is listens the most. I think so. Yeah. So does she come to you and say, "Hey, I need you to listen to this part," or how does she bother you with my podcast? How does that happen? <laughs> well, a, a lot of times. You know, we'll be doing something and she'll be like, hey, you know, I learned I learned this today from this podcast. We should try this. We should we should see how this works out, you know, and a lot of a lot of stuff you you have to say it. It helps us a lot. Oh, cool. Well, that's great. Now, you're younger. So when you hear someone say to you, I heard something on a podcast that I think we should try. That doesn't seem strange to you, right? N- no, not it's it's become pretty you, you know routine for me, so. I feel like if you said that to like someone who was 55, they'd be like, "Tell me again how you got something for free off the internet and you think we should do it with our health?" That seems odd. Uh, but yeah. it's, it's a different world now, William. So that it's cool. So I I really like the idea that there doesn't seem to be a barrier to you when you hear that. And so um Okay, so where – let's start at the beginning. That seems like it's usually a good place to begin. How old were you when you were diagnosed with type 1? I was um, – I think I was about 11 years old. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, so, so I've had it for about four years. Four years. And did you – how soon – because uh, you do you have a pump now? I think you do, right? I, I have a, a Omnipod and a CGM Dexcom. Okay. All right. So you're using mm-hmm. – in my opinion, all the best stuff. And and you've and, and and so you when do you get an insulin pump? Is it right away or do they ask you to do injections for a while? How did that work? Do you remember? I'm pretty sure we got the um, the insulin pump fairly fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. It was the CGM that at that time, I'm pretty sure it was 18 and up. Oh, that's right. They wouldn't you had right. you had to like pressure your endo to write your prescription. And and, and that's what that's what we had to do, okay. and and we we got we got the CGM, which which in our opinion is like the best thing that you can have, you know, to help you manage. It's amazing. It, it's mm-hmm. it really is. I I I will frequently and always say that um, if you have if you have the ability to have both tools, uh, right, and you had to give one away, and this is hard to say because you. You'd have to make the intellectual decision to give away your insulin pump before your before your CGM. But having said that, there's no real good argument to get rid of one or the other because all the really cool fine tuning stuff that you can do 
because of this, what you see from the Dexcom is also very uh, available to you to do because you have a, a pump and you're not injecting constantly. You can change your basal rates and things like that. So I think they go tandem. In my mind, they're, right. you know, a pump and a CGM go together. Yeah. Both of them are, are very, like, like you said, both of them are very useful tools, but together they just make like a whole different way of, of managing that's that easier. So That's exactly right. It's like vanilla's fine, chocolate's fine when you put them together. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good stuff. So tell me something. How are you going along? Because this, so tell me, I guess start here. Like, why did you, did your mom say to you, you should go on the podcast and talk? Did you say I would be willing to share that? How did, how, how are you and I speaking right now? What's the genesis of how that happened? I'm pretty sure my mom came to me and said, you know, there's this opportunity to talk on a podcast. Um, would you like to do it? And I'm like, you know, I, I like I like trying new things. So this is my first time. Very nice. Well, good. First of all, that's very brave of you, honestly. Uh, and so that that's really cool and good for your mom because I think your mom feels like if I'm if I'm understanding her correctly, your mom feels like that you are a really good example of someone who's taken the things that we talk about on this podcast and put them into practice and have success with it. And, but you're doing it on your own. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, most of it I'm doing on my own, but that I can't say at all that I could do it. I couldn't have gotten to where I am without her. Sure. Oh no. Of so course. yeah, I, I do. I manage all the, the daytime stuff, but she manages a lot of the nighttime mm -hmm. and I guess she's been, she's been like training me to, to do it on my own. Yeah, of course. Oh. But she Listen, she's your mom. She's training you to do like a thousand things you don't know she's training you to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, and I didn't mean, like, you're not like Tarzan. Like, somebody didn't just, like, <laughs> leave you a meter and some <laughs> insulin in a tree hut, and they're like, that kid will figure it out. But, but you know, like, I, I get yeah. that. Like, like, so she's, you know, she's a good mom, and I've known your mom for a while online, and she's, she's a really mm -hmm. motivated person who wants the very best for your health that that's that's certainly true right and so so but it's it's uncommon if not fascinating that you're doing maybe more high level making more high level decisions during the day at your age now right so let's let's set a baseline for understanding this are you a genius uh i wouldn't say so okay so, I, i'd say i'm just like you know, experienced. Okay. okay. So, but I'm saying like, you, you don't see like angles when you're thinking about math and the air and things like that. You're not a, you're, you're not, you're not a, smart. no, okay. no, it, it's more of like yesterday, this really didn't work out. So I don't think I'm going to do that again. Cool. And so is it just, is it just the, the conscious decision to think about it a little bit that's helpful or are you, are you a thoughtful person by nature? Or is that something that you've had to adapt to for the diabetes? Well, I'd say a little bit. I've almost come to like try and based off past experience, I've almost kind of tried to predict what's going to happen with it so that I can, you know, get ahead of it well, a little bit. I wish you could see me smiling and nodding. That's excellent. Good for you. Yeah, because, because I, I'm going to fill in a thought here for you. But if you see it happen enough, it's not hard to imagine that it's going to happen like, right. when you're in yeah. that situation again. So. So if for people listening, and William, you don't have to listen to this part if you don't want to, William's not afraid because he's 15, because he's a kid. He's, he's dauntless. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's not a lot he can imagine that's, that's going to go wrong in life. And so it's easier for him to take the, the – well, William, first of all, nothing uh, on the Juicebox podcast should be ever considered advice, medical or otherwise. But it's easy for you to take the examples – and mm -hmm. and to put them into practice because you're fearless because and and that's what that's why I wanted you to come on the podcast because you have something it's a mix of something that you're probably not completely aware of so you have a, a an ability to hear hey you know maybe you should pre bolus or temp basiling here would be a good idea you can hear those ideas they make sense to you. You can imagine now that I've seen it, you, you use that kind of advice about like, you know, use your history to make better decisions in the future. You're, you've taken it beyond that where you're being predictive about what you think your diabetes is going to do. And on top of that, the, the X factor for you is your age because you are bright and thoughtful. But at the same time, you have not been encumbered by decades of being an adult 
and being afraid. And so right. you were like the you're like the perfect person to talk about this. Um, so this is going to sound. Uh, I hope it doesn't sound a little self serving, but it may to some people listening. But please trust me. This is this is not why we're talking to William. William, I need to know what have you learned directly from the podcast and how have you put it into practice? So sort of just, you know, in any order they pop into your head, like, what do you think the, what do you think the most valuable thing you've learned from the podcast so far is? But, you know, I don't think honestly I could, um, I have, you mean like techniques? Yes. Yeah. Like management stuff, not like about life or things like that. (laughs) Like, you know, Scott, I've learned, (laughs) <laughs> to really appreciate the little things. I walk outside now, I smell the grass, I look at the butterflies. Nothing like that. Just, I mean, like, is it pre-bolusing? Is it the idea of how to manipulate basil roots? Like, what is it you do in the course of a day that you can trace back to your mom going, please sit down and listen to this for a second? I think it's, a, I think it's been a lot of the basil rate stuff. I, I think, you know, a lot of nighttime, nighttime stuff, you've helped us a lot with that. I'm pretty sure that that's, that's been the main focus of what's what's helped us the most. Okay, and and so just the idea of taking advantage of those hours, like, like trying right. to, trying to get a good blood sugar, you know, right. as as well as you can overnight, because then that. So what is your? Do you, would you mind saying what your A one C was last time? My last A one C was a um, a five point six. Ooh, ooh, hold on, William, I'm going to clap. <laughs> Very nice. That's wonderful. Um, Okay, so let's go through your day then. Like maybe this is a better way to attack this. Mm-hmm. You, your mom's been helping you overnight, um, and so you you wake up in the morning to go to school, for instance. What's the first thing you do that's wrapped around your diabetes in the morning? I usually get up and I'll I'll test because you know after the Dexcom needs calibration, right? Yep. So I want to start my day off right, knowing it's going to be accurate, right? Excellent. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree totally. So you test when you get up. Um, do you make like if your blood sugar is where would you where would you bolus? Like what blood sugar would make you think I need insulin? Where you mean where would I correct? Yeah, where yeah, what what number would you correct at in the morning? Right now, um like if I was low or or I was high I'm happy if it's between 80 and 120, and that's a very that's a very thin line. Yeah. Um, but I, if I don't have any insulin on board, I'll correct if it's over 120, and I'll eat something if it's under probably 75. Okay. Do you normally eat breakfast in the morning? Yeah. Um, so when I get up, and usually I'm homeschooled, so. I, we usually get up and I'll eat something and then we'll go to the gym, mm-hmm. which is something we might want to talk about. Um, yeah, please. But sometimes I'll just eat a protein shake. Uh, I'll make like a homemade shake with like peanut butter and stuff like that. Right. But I, I do I do eat most of the time. I, I will eat something when I get up. So you get up in the morning. You're gonna go. You're gonna work out first. Take care. Take care of that aspect. So do you pre-bolus for that for the the shake or how how soon before your meals do you like to have insulin going? If I go to the gym and I exercise, I generally will eat. Uh, I'll generally eat my breakfast for free because then I don't have to bolus for it at all. I just go and exercise, take care of it most of the time. And do you not see a spike for that? Sometimes I do, but it depends on what I eat. And and I guess that comes down to like routine. Right. If if it's more proteins and fats versus, you know, I wouldn't want to get up and eat two bowls of cereal and then go to the gym and assume it's going to be okay cuz it's doesn't always work that way, but Right. And and okay, so that's so that's spectacular. So you're saying what you're basically saying is the timing of the food and the type of food it is if you balance that correctly around your workout, you sometimes don't even need any insulin at all besides your basal insulin to handle that that shake. Right. Um, with carbs towards workouts, I've kind of played around with how much exercise I do versus um, what I eat and what I eat before a workout and how that's going to affect my workout. Mm-hmm. Because some, you know, if you heard of Cliff Bars before, right? Yeah. I've found that those spike my blood sugar a lot. Okay. And 
even if the exercise takes care of it, I will eat it and then I'll go to the gym and I'll go up to about 180 and it'll come back to 100. But if I ate something that wasn't so high glycemic, I could stay about 100 to 110 and I'd stay flat throughout my entire workout. That's pretty cool. So do you not need a lot of insulin normally for meals like outside of the workout or is the workout the key to this whole thing? I'd say the exercise plays a big part in like a cardiovascular exercise plays a big part in how much insulin you use. Right. That was going to be my next question. What kind of workout is it? What do you do? Um, so I've been doing a lot of different stuff, but weight training and, uh, resistance training and cardio affects your blood sugar entirely different. You know, for weight training, I almost don't even need to eat anything. Okay. But if I do, if I go and I run four miles on the treadmill, I can eat a whole bowl of oatmeal with banana and stuff like that, and it's fine. It, it's totally situational. What's if the, you get what I'm saying. I, I do. What's the timing of that? So the the oatmeal and the banana with the banana go into the belly. How soon does the running start after that? Um, you know, generally. What I had been doing was, I've been changing stuff up a little bit, but what I had been doing was, um, if I wasn't something high glycemic, I could go and the the resistance training would keep my blood sugar flat long enough, and then I'd do cardio after my resistance training, okay. right? So th- And then that would take care of it. But even if it comes back down, and you'll still sometimes, depending on what you eat, you'll see a spike. Even if you have the right amount of exercise to take care of that, if you're eating something high glycemic, you're going to see a spike. How often do you get to the gym and think, I need insulin, I just have to give myself some insulin here? Yeah, sometimes I'll be there and I'll be like, you know, what I ate was probably not the best decision, so I'm going to add a unit. I think it's going to make my life easier for the rest. You know, it's going to make my day go a little bit better if I get on top of it and don't just count entirely on exercise. Is there a balance where you could give yourself enough insulin where you could eat the oatmeal, not go to 180, but not be low afterwards? Have you tried to work on that or is that not something you've, you've I think, I think generally it's, um, I haven't tried eating something, giving myself insulin and then exercising Mm -hmm. because if I do a lot of cardio, no matter you know, how much I do, I don't like to have really any insulin on board, but sometimes I've been there and I'm like, I don't think this, I, I, whatever I did previously, I don't think it's going to work out. So I'm going to add some insulin to try and, or I ate too many carbs, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bolus for part of that. Cause I don't think I need that many. Okay, so that's pretty cool because that's a little different than what I would have expected you to say. But at the same time, you found what, what, I'm, what I'm learning when I'm listening to you is, is there is a balance between the timing of your food and the timing of your, of your activity that it, it's mimicking what I usually say about the balance between insulin and the timing of insulin. I always say like you have to time the insulin correctly. It's got to be the right amount. It's got to be the right timing um, for the, the mm-hmm. food you're eating and how that food's going to go through your system. And what you just said was, I can I can time the food with the exercise the same way. And in the end, what we're talking about, again, is a balance of it's when, how much, and, and that's it. It's the timing of it. And so you figured something out that's way high level before, I don't know, that's just, it's really impressive. Because you're talking about having a, a, you know, a situation where your blood sugar does go to 180, but you have a 5.6 A1C. Do you have a lot of lows? You know, lately I've had a little bit higher blood sugar, but my standard deviation has gone down a little bit. Excellent. That's the one thing I struggle with. What's your... So my last, uh, I think my mom checked the other day, uh, last standard deviation was I was 90% in range, uh, 4% low, and 6% high. That's very good. It went down from my standard deviation was 35. I had a lower average blood sugar it was like versus i think right now average blood sugar is 116 it was like 105 
but my standard deviation went down and uh i my percentage in range went up okay that's really great and it's it's amazing that you even understand what that is to be perfectly honest so um okay so okay so that's how you handle the mornings now do you ever get up in the morning and like you know is there ever a morning where you're like william's having pancakes now and and it's it's not the oatmeal situation or are you fairly regulated with what you eat in the morning you know, there will be those days where you decide that you're going to try and tackle something you're not usually going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you just need to kind of, like I said, use prediction to try to figure out what's going to happen if you've eaten that food previously. Yeah. Like pancakes or, you know, you're going to eat cereal or something like that that's going to spike your blood sugar. You have to kind of get ahead of it before you even need it. Right. Right. And so, so is that, is, do you employ ideas of like pre-bolusing at that point and like, ex, like temp basils that are increased and things like that? Yeah. You know, um, it's sometimes like it's on a Saturday and I decide I'm going to eat something that has a ton of carbs. Uh, it's high glycemic. I'll bolus, I'll get up, I'll test and I'll bolus and then I'll go take a shower, which will increase the sensitivity of that insulin even a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go eat it. What do you think the time frame is between the bolus and the food in that scenario? Uh, average, I, I like to have about, to, it, it's hard because all this stuff to me is situational. I'm always like, oh, absolutely. If, I, if I try to answer something, I'm like, it depends, you know, what am I eating? What's the scenario? What time of day it is? And so say you get up in the morning and your blood sugar is 120 and you, do you have enough? Can you take a shower after you bolus at 120 or does it have to be higher for that to happen? You're asking me if I'm 120, I need to would you, pre-bolus? Yeah, if you were 120 and you were going to have pancakes, would you pre-bolus and take a shower or would you pre-bolus and make the pancakes? I, I, it, if I was going to eat something like pancakes, um, I best case scenario i'd like to be like 100 uh i'd be like 80 probably right no i agree with you i think you should be i think the best case scenario again is like what you're saying like 80 70 and and drifting down because right right you yeah right oh william you're like my protege this is wonderful (laughs) i feel excited to talk to you i i it just it's really great to hear somebody talk about it like this at your age and for reasons that you probably don't care about, but I just, I'm just very used to growing up in a world of diabetes where people don't expect people your age to understand this level of it. Yeah. And it's really, it's a it's heartwarming to hear you talk about it. So I, um, I'm just, I'm just genuinely happy while you, while you're explaining all this. Um, okay. So you are homeschooled. Are you homeschooled because of diabetes or are you home? You were homeschooled before diabetes. I have been homeschooled my whole life. So it hasn't really been a factor. I was diagnosed, I was diagnosed when I was homeschooled. So. Right. It's not part of the decision process of you being there. We kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, if, if I did go to school, it would be, we'd have to figure out a different way to manage it because it's a different you know, scenario. Yeah. My kids, for, for my kids my... don't have the opportunity to go to the gym in the morning before they, before they, right. Leave. Yeah. That's certainly. True. Uh-huh. And, and, and so that flexibility is, is a huge key for you really. Honestly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, because that does bring something up is that as you get older and you find it, you know, and you, you begin, I don't know, you get a job and you're, and you're leaving for work like that does, affect things but you do you feel confident that if your schedule got moved around like that you'd still be able to deal with things right yeah i i think i would you know um i uh when i first started going to the gym and i started this routine um i was actually going to the gym like about four every day 4 p.m okay every day if you say 4 a.m i'm just gonna no no no, i'm not i'm not i'm not that kind of guy but um it, it was different, and part of managing diabetes well is is just adapting to different, you know, different scenarios. Yeah, you have to stay um, fluid. You have to. Right. You absolutely can't just say, "Well, I saw somebody online saying it today." Like, I'm in this situation. How much do I like? What does this situation call for? I'm like, no, this is not. That's not how this works. This is not like a. This is not like a static thing. You know what I mean? Like it's it it right. You know it it changes. Person to person, situation to situation, moment to moment, meal to meal, it's always going to be slightly different. But at the same time, 
the keys to your decision are all the same. It's just the, it's the scenario is different. So right. it's, it's not like you have to understand a thousand things for every scenario. You just have to say, you know, you know, there's, you know, what do you think about? You think about uh, when's the last time I had insulin? When's the last time I ate? You know, what do I expect this food to do? How quickly do I expect the insulin to work? And then, I mean, you make that decision. Do you, could you describe to people, because I think sometimes people think that what I'm saying, you know, just even what I just said now is, is a massive amount of effort. But do you feel like you're thinking about diabetes all the time? Hey, if you haven't heard it last week on episode 158, the CEO and president of Dexcom was on the show to, to tell us all about their new G6 continuous glucose monitor that has just been okayed by the FDA, and they are in the ramp up now to getting it out into the world. If you haven't heard that episode, you really should go back and listen. There is a ton of really exciting stuff coming from Dexcom. Now you must be thinking, what could be more exciting than being able to see what direction my blood sugar is moving and how fast? Or being able to see my child while they're at school or playing a sport? Or if I'm a, a single person living by myself, you know, having a friend who can see my blood sugar while I'm sleeping, what could possibly be more exciting than that? Well, you gotta go back to episode 158 to listen because there's a lot coming. Like no finger stick calibration necessary. That's coming in G6 as well as predictive low alerts, the ability for the device to tell you, hey, you're gonna be 55, 10 minutes from now? Come on, you need that, right? That's spectacular. Here's the best part. You don't have to wait for G6. You could start today on the G5, and Dexcom's gonna offer a beautiful upgrade program so that when you're done with your last G5 transmitter, you'll transfer right into the G6. So you can go to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox today, get started, have all the amazing benefits of Dexcom continuous glucose monitoring, and not even miss out for a second when the G6 becomes available later this year. Dexcom's not really able to say exactly when it's uh, available, but I would guess June-ish, that's my guess. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox, or the convenient link in your show notes and at juiceboxpodcast.com. Get started today, you will not be sorry. But do you feel like you're thinking about diabetes all the time? I think I think about it a little bit more than most people because it's kind of like, um, you know, it's something I want to be good at. And it's it's and I and I might even be, you know, a little bit over the top about it. But how so what what what, what do you think you do that somebody might see is over the top? Well, for example, like I, I have my phone in front of me and I'm watching, I have it, you know, I have my screen on and I'm, I'm just, you know, I'll, I'll glare at it every once in a while and I'm, I'm constantly watching it, but we, we got one of those pebbles and we've, we've been doing that for a while and, you know, I'll have that on and I'll glance at it when it updates every five minutes. And I don't know if you'll see that as over the top, but it's. I, I could definitely see someone describing me as, you know, over the top, but let me let me ask you about that a little bit. So is it part of your personality or do you feel like you need that feedback every five minutes to tell you what's about to happen? Or are you scared not to look? Like what is it that makes you look? Because I, I'm gonna I'll I'll be honest with you, right? So I, I'm gonna open up my my app here to look at Arden's blood sugar. I bolused Arden for lunch 40 minutes ago. Mm -hmm. She was exactly, her blood sugar was exactly 100 on the CGM when I did that. I gave her eight units. Um, I thought it only needed seven and a half, but we ended up turning off her basil about an hour before for a half an hour. So there was 0.6 for her that she didn't get. So I went to eight units because I thought, let me put in the extra half that we lost when we turned the basil off. Right. And at the time that, that, shutting that basil off was, was perfect. She was coming down from a high blood sugar, which in my mind, you know, was high. It was 140 and she was coming down. And when she got to about 90, it was still looked like it was creeping down. So I said to her, Hey, let's shut your basil off for a half hour. We did that. It leveled out. Um, and it actually, when I looked at her CGM to bolus her for, to, to talk about the bolus for lunch, she was 89, but then when it, it actually switched over while we were talking, it jumped to 90. And I thought, okay, so she's it's drifting back up a little bit. So I take this eight units, and I tell her, let's do a 
uh, an extended bolus. We're going to do 30% now, the balance over half an hour because she's still got at 11.20, she's probably not really going to start eating for about 10 or 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And since we've done that, I've not looked back at the CGM. Now, I just looked at now, just now, to talk to you. She's 68 diagonal down. I think that's perfect because she's been eating for about 20 minutes now, which means that I'm almost willing to bet my life that in two more minutes when this thing adjusts again, I'm going to see that diagonal down arrow disappear. She's not going to be lower than 68. She's either going to be steady around 68 or maybe on her way, probably not on her way back up yet. By the mm-hmm. time she gets done eating and she leaves the the, you know, the the lunchroom, my expectation is that her blood sugar is going to be about 80. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think it'll hang there for a while, and then I think it'll drift up. And then in about an hour and a half from now, I'll know if we need to address the blood sugar or not. I'm not going to let her get over 130 again. Um, it, it's, But as long as this thing's not alarming to tell me that she's below 70 or over 130, I'm not going to look at it because right. I don't need to because I have the historical data. I've done this before. And you mm-hmm. think that way, but you're still looking at it. So that's the part I want to understand. I want to understand. Um, I want to understand what makes you look so frequently. That's all. If you well, can I think I, I generally i I watch it a lot more than I would do. Uh, I watch it a lot more after I eat mm-hmm. more than any other time because that's when it, it's either gonna it's gonna change a lot after those 15 minutes after you eat. It, it, you know. You eat something and and you just don't do it quite right. It might start going up a little bit too fast, more than you want, yeah. and you you want to get a, ahead of it. Part of the reason I had my margins on my Dexcom app set it between 120 and like 75 is because I want it to it, somehow I miss it. I want it to alert me that I'm already 120 because I don't I want to correct it at 120 if I'm going up after a meal and. I guess I, I watch it a lot because I might be a little bit of a perfectionist mm-hmm. and I might be even a little bit competitive about, you know, to my, against myself, right. how, how I, how good I can get it. But it, it, it falls down between just making sure I don't miss something that's going to not, go go down well no, I during the day. I, so. I don't just hear you. I completely agree with you. So now, is that something that do you think came from you? Do you think it came from your mom? Do you think it came from me through your mom? Like, how do you think you got to that thought? Because, and maybe you don't know, but I think exactly what you just said. I, I you know, I hear people say all the time, like, oh, I don't want this thing beeping all the time. So I put my high up to 400. I never wanted to beep. And I'm like, well, then that's the only, all that means is you're going to get to 400. My daughter's blood sugar hasn't been 400 maybe twice in the last five years. And that's because when it gets to 130, I say, oh, I didn't do something I should have done. Let me do it now. <laughs> and let me do it now before it becomes 150. And then that way, a spike is 150 because even if you've completely messed up, you can add more insulin and put an end to it usually pretty quickly. Right. Uh, you know, and so... It's just really, I'm going to say this a number of times while you and I are talking about it. Again, very heartwarming to hear you talk about it like that. It's, it's spectacular. Um, it really is. I'm just, I, I can't imagine, I just, I feel very, I, I, I have no business feeling like this, William. You and I don't know each other. You're not my son. I feel really proud of, for you when you're, when you're talking. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it's an amazing leap to make at your age. It's an amazing leap to make uh, age aside. Um, and so... You're you're just like I you're you're like the perfect like diabetes babysitter. You should you should rent yourself out to other people with kids. You know I just want to get the ads out of the way now because this conversation really picks up steam and just rolls right through to the end. So let's talk about Omnipod here and now. Omnipod couldn't be more straightforward. It primes automatically, inserts automatically, and is virtually pain free. There's nothing to fuss with. Step one: fill the pod. Step two: apply the pod. Step three: press start. How would you like your insulin pump changes to be that easy? Fill the pod, apply the pod, press start. Then once it's on, no tubing. Every other pump has tubing on it. Plastic tubing that goes from a device that you have to hook to yourself somewhere. I've seen people have to jam it in their bras, clipped on their belt. I mean, man, that's not cool. 
Listen, if you want to show your insulin pump to somebody, I have no problem with it. My daughter sticks out all over the place, but that should be up to you. Omnipod is discreet. If you don't want somebody to see it, they will not see it. And if you want someone to see it, they're not going to see 18 feet of tubing wrapped around your arm. Just this little pod. And listen to that process of putting it on. Talk about day-to-day life being simple. Fill the pod, apply the pod, press start. Then once it's on, there's no tubing. There's nothing hanging from your belt. No one's ever going to come up to you and go, hey, 1986 called, they want your pager back. And listen, summer's coming up, right? This is a great time to get a demo pod. Give it a try, see what you think. So you can be on the Omnipod and go by the time you're ready to go to the beach or the pool because, you know, you can swim with Omnipod. You don't have to disconnect anything, always getting your insulin just the way you want to. Go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box today and you'll be able to get a free no obligation demo pod. They'll send it right to your house. You can apply it yourself and see what I'm talking about. Myomnipod.com forward slash juice box or the link in your show notes or at juiceboxpodcast.com. What do you do for fun? Are you an athlete? Are you a movie buff? Are you somewhere in between? What do you, what do you do that you enjoy in your free time? You know, going to the gym and, and working out has kind of been, I guess, you could say it started out as like a hobby for me, but then when I started figuring out how I could like manipulate my blood sugar with it, it became more of like a, it came in a little bit more than that, you know, that you could use. right, right, right. right. And, and so you are, so you are, you describe yourself as maybe being more competitive with yourself than the event. Um, I think my son's like that. Actually, I think my mm-hmm. son can go play a baseball game and they can lose and he can still talk about what he accomplished within like, I guess the game within the game within the game within himself. Yeah. And, and if he's, accomplished the things that he set out to do he's very um satisfied by that and mm-hmm. and so i think you're saying a similar thing which is i'm you know i i'm i'm just trying to i'm testing myself over and over again now, do you feel stress about it when you talk about your blood sugar or you just are you able to just if something doesn't go the way you expect it to are you able to let that go and just use it as like a, an, a as a i don't know learning a, a learning 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 yeah learning. yeah you, don't you know well. i think i'm not if you if you mess something up and you're high, I think while I'm high, I'm I'm not gonna take it as best as when I'm lower. You know, when I when I get my blood sugar down, I think I'm more able to take it as a learning experience. But when I'm high and you know it makes you feel irritable, on top of being frustrated, you're that it's off in that moment. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's a combination of being high and kind of. I I do get frustrated sometimes when it doesn't work out. Yeah, sure. But, you know, it it's diabetes. I mean, it it doesn't always work out the way you want it. So I I feel the same. There are moments where, you know, I I, I'm one that I just like when it doesn't go, I'm like, oh, like just for a second, like, damn, Mm -hmm. you you know, like I I, I, I feel like I did it right. You know, you know, and then you go, then I just think, forget it. Like, it's fine. You know, um. And I'll just do the next thing right. And hopefully that'll be fine. And usually it is. And, and by the way, William, I wanted to tell you that Arden's blood sugar is 64 and the, the arrow stopped. So right. it's happening. It's I don't want to say exactly, but it is, it's happening exactly the way I wanted it to happen. And and I would bet you, because she's now been eating for almost a half an hour, if we did a finger stick here, she's probably 73-ish. Right. Probably mm-hmm. starting, it's probably creeping back up the other way which means that her blood sugar hit 60 for all of maybe five minutes. And, yeah. and, and to me, when people are like, well, how do you keep spikes away? How do you do that? that that's the goal. Because now, imagine if, if, if her blood sugar goes up 50 points from now, she's still only 134. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like, like, but if you, if you put that insulin in late and her blood sugar was 100 and you let her start eating, then her blood sugar would have went right up to 150 while she was eating. And then maybe the insulin would have started working. And then maybe it would have come down. Maybe it wouldn't have. And then, you know, an hour later, if it crept up 50 more points, she'd be at 200. Right. And, that, and that's the difference. It's it's where I just had this, you know, like I, I had this. Uh, you're, I don't usually record two episodes in a day, but I just, I'm recording back to back. So I just spoke with somebody where I, and I said to them, there is going to be a fight with diabetes, right? Um, mm-hmm. You can have it now and try to 
try to land the first blow and get ahead of it. Or you can wait and let it beat you up for a while and then decide to put your hands up and fight. I prefer mm-hmm. fighting now. Like I'd rather, right. I'd rather do it now and give myself the best chance than, than get behind and then decide, well, now I have to, but I'm forced into it. Like I'd rather, yeah, get, you know, like you, you won't understand this analogy, but some people get their electric bill and don't open it. Yeah. Uh, but you are going to open it at some point and you are going to pay it. So you might as well know on day one what the electric bill is so you can plan for it rather than open it up on day 28 and then be in a panic. Right. You know, and so I'm a big fan of getting the bill and opening it up. And I'm that same way with diabetes. Like, let's attack it before it can attack us. Like, I think at least if we, you know, to keep going with the analogy of fighting, I guess, if, if we swing first, at least we can say we did this and then this happened. We can see cause, right. and effect. We can see cause and effect and at least feel like we're, the effect we're seeing is, is our cause. It, rather than waiting for it to do something to you and then you're always sort of on defense and never you're never sure if what you're doing is is what you intend i guess mm-hmm. you know right what I mean? yeah okay uh you have any brothers and sisters any siblings i have uh two older sisters so I, I, uh also basically i have um four parents okay because yeah. of the sisters y- yeah 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 pretty you're, much does everyone thinks they're in charge of you william Pretty much. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. There's a lot of sarcasm in that, William. I don't know how much sarcasm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, how old are your, how old are your sisters? Uh, one is, I think, about twenty four, and one is about twenty six. I love so. that when you answer um, any distance uh, of time, about it's about. Always about. You're like, I think I was about eleven. I'm not. I'm not going to say for sure because I don't want to be wrong. I, but. I like that. Isn't that that's a, see that's an interesting. You may have learned. It sounds like you already know that about yourself, but you've done that enough times now that that's a that's a that's a personality trait. Of yourself. Yeah, you don't want to say something that's not right. right. Um, that's so. What do you want to do? Do you want to go to college? I do want to go to college. I think I think I want to go. Um, I want to go to college and get a master's in business. Okay. Because I feel um, a lot of people go to college and they say. They want to do this specifically, and that's and that's great if you want to go and be a doctor or something like that. Right. Um, I feel if I get a, a business degree, I can do a lot of different things. I agree with you. And there's a lot of opportunity to explore what you want to do with that one degree, right? Yeah, and one day you might become successful, hire your sisters, and then tell them what to do. You're right, and yeah. That would be, that would be, and then fire them immediately. Say, I only hired you to tell you what to do once, and now you're out of here. That's, yeah. <laughs> well, so, so okay, we're going to mix two ideas here for a second, but I want to go backwards just a little bit. Do you think your sisters just enjoy telling you what to do, or do you think they really are worried about you in a... I think they just can't help it. They can't help it. <laughs> it's uh, their job to point out to you that you're not doing things as well as they would do it. Yeah, well, they, they don't... They don't uh, live here anymore uh but yeah what one was in colorado but she just moved back to uh, cleveland and one got an apartment in the in the city here because uh, it's a little bit closer to work was it just natural that you sort of took over your own care from like from your mom or did she say to you hey you need to do this on your own or is it because you guys are kind of together all day was the transfer sort of seamless? Did you remember how it went? I, I think um, as time went on and uh, a few years had passed, I kind of like it, it kind of got to the point where we both had conflicting ideas as to what we should do. Okay. But um, not like entirely different. It's the, just, you know, sure. I kind of developed kind of my own algorithm of what I wanted to do. And we kind of just came to terms. I, I said, you know, you'll manage nighttime because I, I sleep like a log. I don't wake up for anything, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I, I do the daytime stuff. But we still talk about, you know, what I could have done better in a certain scenario, what I what we could have uh, done to avoid, you know, bad blood or something like that. Right. Now, now, do you feel like is she... Is your mom watching your blood sugar during the day? Do you think she genuinely just lets you do it and she doesn't pay attention to it? 
95% of the time, um, I take care of it before, you know, it'll be like, she'll text me and she'll be like, you're, you know, you're, you're falling or mm-hmm. your blood sugar is going down and I'll, I'll, I'll just message her back. You know, I already, I already took care of it before. Right. Cause most of the time I got, I get a notification from Dexcom and I already correct it before she can even text me. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. It really, it really is. Does your, um, does your father have any real input with it or is it something you and your mom do mostly? I think it, it's mostly um, it's mostly me and my mom. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, it's just is he out of the house during the day? Well, when he's at work, I guess um, he he still watches it himself, but he doesn't really say anything about it because I think my mom she, she she lets me know enough. He he doesn't really <laughs> have to do anything. Yeah. No, it's a, listen. It's it, it obviously works amazingly well for you. What is your what does your endocrinologist say about this? I mean, what's the feedback you get when you go into a doctor's appointment? I think a little bit of confusion because I'm a little bit I, we're a little bit different from your average um, average. He's probably not seen a lot of five point sixes on fifty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um I don't I don't know if there's really uh, I don't I don't know how to put this. There's when we go and talk to them there's not a lot, I'll be honest, there's there's not a lot that they feedback wise that they can they can give us. Mm-hmm. So so you think that the, your doctor almost looks at you and thinks there's really nothing I could tell well, this kid. I, they pretty much say that um, we'll we'll walk in and we'll pretty much say hi and they'll go over some stuff and then and then we leave you know whereas <laughs> some other person might go in there and, and they might have a talk with them about you know you're really not this isn't good for you you need to change something Do this maybe that try this we'll, adjust that we'll, and yeah right how are they going to we'll, justify point six they can't yeah right yeah. So. They ever give you trouble about it being? I guess they don't even bother you with the number. They because you don't have lows to that would would indicate that you're getting the five point six kind of artificially. So I guess they just must be thrilled. I think it makes some some people uncomfortable that I manage it so aggressively. Mm-hmm. I think it definitely can, um, but there's really nothing nothing to say about it. You know, it's. No, uh, I, I, I always wonder if, like, if, if I was the person who was in charge of telling someone, this is how I think you should handle things, and this mm-hmm. person came back and their A1C was 10, and then there was another person who had a five and a half, and I never once gave them advice, I'd think, gosh, I wonder if it's my advice that's not good. Like, that, I would I would genuinely think that. If I was, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, if I was your dad and you were out getting in trouble all the time, I'd think, God, I wonder what I'm doing wrong here. Like, I wonder mm-hmm. what I didn't do in the past. What groundwork did I not lay? You know, where I think some people are inclined to just say, well, that's that kid. He's trouble. Or, you know, or um, they're not taking their diabetes care seriously. That's why their A1C is high. But maybe you're not telling them, what it is they need to know. Like, you know, you spoke a lot earlier about things are situational. Right. And so th- I think that medical care is the same way. I don't think that uh, you can't give the same advice over and over again. I'm sure they try to tailor it to the people, but in fairness to the doctors, how much time do they really spend with those people? They don't really know who they are, you, you know, or, mm-hmm. or, or what they're, you know, I'm sure your endo doesn't recognize that you're a competitive person, that you're, you know, detail oriented, like the things like that. They don't probably know that about you. It's a, it's a, it's a hard task, and at the same time, very unfair for the people whose A1Cs are out of control, who don't know how to handle these moment-to-moment situations as well as maybe you do, because all they really do need is someone to give them the right advice, and they would probably be in a much better situation. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's interesting how it it shakes out differently for for different. But I like to I like to imagine um, diabetes management is as you have it longer and longer, you kind of develop uh, an algorithm yourself the mm-hmm. way you manage it, and your doctors can't really design that for you. It's something that comes with experience and it comes with just managing it, and it's something you just build on every day, learning more information and and stuff like that. So. 
Well, anyway, I don't. There's not much to say other than I'm um, I'm interested in adopting you, and <laughs> I, um, I'm not uh, I'm not able to homeschool you, but um, I can I can give you a nice place to live, and uh, I'm willing to kick out either one of my children that you decide to make space for you. So it's um, because you you really are fantastic. I'm you should. If you're not already, you should be really, oh, thank you. really proud of yourself. You're welcome. Um, and your parents, obviously, well, not your dad. He seems disconnected. But your mom is doing a really <laughs> great job. Your mom's doing a really great job. I'm sure your dad's not disconnected. I was just joking. I'm sure you're from, you're, you're from the South, right? Um, I live I live in Kentucky. Yeah. Okay. So, so do you yeah. think your parents just have a more classic sort of like like your dad takes care of certain things, your mom takes care of certain things? You know, I think um, – I think my mom just kind of got, she was the one that started, you know, she was doing, doing, doing the extra work, yeah. doing the extra, going the extra yard to be more than average and, and try and, and manage it better. Cause you know, she wanted the best for me. So she did everything she could to learn all she could about everything there is to know and and how to manage it so i see what you're saying yeah yeah it's uh it's it's i think that's what happens i think the person who's around it more often ends up being the person who's more involved because that just makes sense right you know and i bet very much that if your your parents had a role reversal like at my house and your your mom was going out to mm-hmm. work in the morning your dad said home i'm sure he would be doing a very similar thing with you it would be in his way probably but right you know i'm sure the same things would be happening when you imagine college, do you see anything really changing too much for you with your diabetes, or um, does it not feel? And it's a little unfair. You're barely sixteen, right? But you know, when, I guess maybe a better question would be: Do you go? Do you leave home for any other reasons? Like, do you sleep over friends' houses? Do you go to camp? Is there anything like that going on for you, um, or are you home most of the time? I'm home most of the time, but I, I have gone to uh, one of those camps before. I think twice we went to, uh, I, I went to one of those, mm-hmm. um, college wise, I think, you know, fitting in, going to the gym, which has been like the staple of my, my key to, uh, having good blood sugar. Yeah. Um, it's not necessary, but it's something that really helps. And, you know, you're going to college, you go to class at 8 a.m. in the morning. There's, it, it's a, it's a whole different ball game, yeah. right? So. But you think you'll be able to figure it out, right? I think, like I said earlier, it kind of plays into the whole uh, managing diabetes is about adapting to new situations. And, just go and, and, and college is just going to be another scenario where you're adapting to, you know, life and and what you have to do to manage it so i love that i love your attitude about it. i think it's i think it's inspirational to be perfectly honest with you they, they it doesn't feel like so there are like basic tenets of of diabetes like that you know you can take into any walk of life and reapply them mm-hmm, even right. when your outside circumstances change and you've got you were able to pull all that confidence together in such a short amount of time have you ever had a health situation that was scary have you ever gotten like crazy low or anything like that? I think as we become more confident managing it, um, there's never been like a scenario where we feel like we can't, we can't take care of it. But I think there have been moments where, you know, it's been really overwhelming, but you know, you just kind of have to stay calm. You know, if you're really high, you have to stay calm and, not try to make bad decisions, right? Because you're upset. Because you're upset, you know. They I believe, say I believe there's a name for that. They call it rage, ra- rage bowl. Rage bowl right? thing, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. When you when you and you can see where that comes from. You've made as many good decisions as you feel like you can make, and here you are still staring at your 350 blood sugar or whatever. And it's just like at that point, you just must be like, I'm just going to push this button until my blood sugar is not high anymore. Um, right. And it's it's totally understandable that. The, especially with what you talked about earlier, that the physiological changes that happen when your blood sugar is higher, you are uh, easier to to irritate and and you know to become agitated. And mm-hmm. um, it, it is a, a fairly unfair situation. Not only are you in that spot, but you know your faculties aren't what they would have been if you weren't there. 
It's, uh, right. it's just a little weird. How are your friends with the diabetes? Um, is it a big deal in your life day to day? Like, do you hear people mentioning it ever? Or is it just sort of flying? I, kind of I wouldn't say, um, I wouldn't say it's a big deal, uh, out, outside, you know, social life and stuff like that. I, there's never been a scenario where I feel like I couldn't go do something because, you know, I have diabetes, you know, I, I did, uh, martial arts for several years and, you know, I had to deal with that. So how about, um, you said you're almost 16. Is there, are you dating at this point? Are mm-hmm. you thinking about No, that? no, but no, I'm, I'm not. You're considering it at some point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you ever wonder if that'll be an issue for you when you're dating? Does it ever pop into your head? Like, I wonder if somebody will, will, will react. I th- I think, I think, um, just, I, I've thought about like having to explain it to someone mm-hmm. like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the biggest thing. Cause you know, some people don't even know that this thing I live with on a day to day basis even exists. Right. Oh, yeah. So, um, explaining it and how it works would be the biggest thing. So without like overwhelming them. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it, it's a it's an interesting balance. Like, when do you tell somebody? Because you don't want to go too far into a relationship and then spring it on them like six months into it. it and, and at the same time, on your first date, you don't want them to become overwhelmed. Walk, walk up, walk up and say, "Hi, my name is William, and I have diabetes." <laughs> Here's what that means. Start lifting up <laughs> your shirt, and they're like, "Okay, we're done." And yeah, uh, <laughs> no, I, I it's a uh, it's interesting. It really is. I think that for most people, it works out. I think when you find the right person, it works out fine. I don't think it's an mm-hmm. issue. But but it, there is a there's a thought process in there. Like when do I tell this person? Like how long can I keep this to myself to create that comfort with them without making them feel like I'm hiding something from them? Yeah, it, it's not it's not quite as obvious as you know if you couldn't walk or yeah, you know it's, one of the things they could pick out right away. Right. Yeah. Um, well, he, geez, he sits down a lot, and then six months later, like <laughs> I'm in a wheelchair. Like, wow, you, <laughs> yeah. you hid that really well. Uh, you know, no, I hear what you're saying. By the way, Arden's blood sugar is 67 and stable. Like, yeah. and so, um, and I can see, and you're a, a bit of a data geek, so you'll appreciate this. The slight bend at the very right side of the three-hour Dexcom graph. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Like when you just notice it bend a little, and you can tell that that's that's where it's headed. Right. Um, that's where she's at right now. So there's the arrow is still um, steady, but the bend is starting to go up. And right. So it's it's going right where, like I guess where I you know I mean, use the word predictive more, but I guess that's uh, that's where it's going. So let me we're we're running up on an hour. So let me ask you my um my, my last question for you. So you're a person who is doing a really incredible job of of taking care of their blood sugar day to day. Um, you're using a Dexcom, you're using an Omnipod. Um, at some point in the next year or so, and I don't know anything, I'm just throwing out round numbers, Omnipod's going to come out and say, we have a artificial pancreas system, and it's going to do all this stuff for you. Do you mm-hmm. say, what do you say when that's available? Well, what we've looked at the, uh, the artificial pancreas so far is that it can have, I think... They say it can manage your blood sugar at a six point A one C of six point seven, mm-hmm. and I guess right now we feel until it gets better, we can we can do better than a six point seven. Right. So I think our opinion is that we can manage it better than the artificial pancreas currently, and I guess they say there's like it's restricted, right? You know, you can't you can't go in and program yeah, it seems to me that the med the one that's out now with medtronic might be i guess it, it might have a target blood sugar that's higher than the one that you it's 120 right, i think right and and i don't know that that's a user adjustable no it's not i don't think it is and so. i would say that in every in every opportunity that i've had to speak with somebody in the industry at omnipod or dexcom i always i always stress to them that if they don't if they don't have the ability to make that target blood sugar user definable, and then I would have trouble using it too. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, especially for a person like you whose standard deviation is good, 
you, you know what I mean? It's not like you're it's not like you're creating like right. five point six out of crazy lows, and then you have a bunch of highs, and they're just balancing out to a five point six. Um, what about the other side of it? What about it would would you give away a point on your A one C for your mom to sleep? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it depends on. Well, I guess it's unfair to say you know I'm totally not gonna. I'm not going to let her sleep because I want the best blood sugar there there ever was. But um, it's not it's not not fair. It's just it's mm-hmm. the, 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 it does pose the question that at some point in the future there's going to be a decision to be made. Like, right. could I put myself on this, down, you know, for instance, with Omnipod, and is it possible to, I don't know, just use it overnight? It, right. And maybe it's mm-hmm. not. Maybe it's not, by the way. Like, I don't know anything about it enough to talk about it like that yet. I'm hoping to learn more about it in the future. Actually, this will probably come out after that. But in a couple of weeks, I am talking to the CEO of Omnipod. And I'm going to ask her a bunch of questions about it. But um, but the point is, is that there are going to be decisions to be made. And there are going to be some people who, by the way, are going to be like, wow, a 6.7. So my A1C is going to come down two points and I don't have to do much. Right. Sign me up. And that is going to be, honestly... Uh, William, that's honestly going to be for most people. That's going to be the situation, right? Y- well, you know, what we thought would be the the best application of the artificial pancreas is people who are having uh, already struggling with blood sugar um, can't manage it correctly, can't can't get it below in uh, any way A one C of like seven or something. Mm-hmm. So- Give it. Artificial pancreas, I think, would be best used for someone who's really having a hard time keeping it in range, and it might just, you know, help them manage it a little bit better. Because some people, a six point seven is lower than what they currently have. So, yeah. and there's, there's, listen, there's other, you know, there's uh, again to your point earlier, there's plenty of different situations where a six point seven is is something I'd be happy with my entire life, and so that's going to work great for them. And the technology is only going to get better. Right. And as the technology gets better, then the tolerances will will tighten, and then they'll be able to tell you, "Hey, you know, now we can we think we can keep your blood sugar at a target goal of ninety five, and mm-hmm. you know, and then the FDA will say, "Hey, that is working," and they'll move forward. And it, it's going to keep. It, it, listen, in the end, it's an amazing leap, and it's going to mm-hmm. get it. It's it's nothing but good news. You, you know what I mean? Um, right. But, I, but for someone like you, it's a specific situation. Like you're you're in a situation where really good isn't as good as you're doing. And so, and maybe, but even see, I, I, as I said, I think like, even if you wanted to take a break for a few months, you you know what I mean? Or a week or so, I don't know. Like there's, there's going to be decisions to be made as going forward. So it's, it's all very interesting. Well, I'm going to, I'm not going to keep any more because I'm assuming you have to go back and be taught. What are you doing today at school? Uh, everything, I guess. Every every day you just do kind of a mix of. Right. Yeah. 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 There's an actual, like for people who don't understand, there's a curriculum that your mom follows so that you are, that your grades are meaningful and you're eligible to go to college. It's not like she doesn't get up in the morning and say, today I'm going to teach you how to uh, can peaches. Make bricks. (laughs) Make bricks. That's a great one. Press really hard. Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah. And so, and so you, it's, it's no different than I would expect at a public school really without the, Mm -hmm. without the lockers and the yelling basically. Yeah. It's basically, I I have plenty of subjects to to work on and I do take a few outside classes of uh, Spanish mm-hmm. literature and then I take a speech class um things but, she's she's not proficient with she finds other people to help you with right well a lot of that stuff is is uh better to learn in a like Spanish is better it's conversational Spanish so mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to learn it if you are talking with other people your age in Spanish so I know I said I was gonna let you go, but you're fifth, you're fifteen, almost sixteen. How long have you been taking Spanish? Four years. Do you speak conversationally? I can speak a good deal, but I'm not fluent. Right, but but so. if I if I asked you to say something, you know, pretty simplistic, you could launch into it. Not that I'm asking you to, but but you like uh, yeah, I, I I'd, I'd say so. I'm still that. I still have a lot to learn. No, um, could, but like if I don't say it, but if I said you to say the kitchen's on fire, do you think you could come out with that? Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah, yeah. My son is a senior in high school, public school. 
mm-hmm. he's uh, in honors Spanish forever. Mm-hmm. I think this year he's in AP Spanish. Straight A's for mm-hmm. probably six years. Doesn't speak a word of Spanish. So it's, um, it's depressing. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I think um, my idea was it would help me a lot within business. So Of course. That's yeah. wonderful. I mean, having a second language is, is, is invaluable. It really is. Yeah. William, you're insanely uh, impressive. I think that every younger person that I've had on the podcast so far, if I would stop and think, I think they basically have a personality similar to yours. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's something there. There's when, when people can figure this out at your age and be thoughtful about it at your age, they do all appear to have very similar ways about them. So mm-hmm. uh, you may have lost the uh, genetics lottery, but you won the pers- <laughs> you won the personality lottery. So congratulations. Yeah. Well, thank uh, you. No, absolutely. You, do- you really were delightful, and I, and I appreciate you coming on. It's just amazing, isn't it? William's 16 today, but he was 15 when he recorded that. Thank you so much, Dexcom and Omnipod, for sponsoring the podcast. You can go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox or dexcom.com forward slash juicebox to find out more. Don't forget, there are also links in your show notes and at juiceboxpodcast.com. couple little things. First of all, you guys are still sharing the show. Thank you very much. I saw a big increase in subscribers this month. On my Facebook pages, there's a video of um, the Dexcom G6 they sent me out a demo of it, and I did a little opening of the box and went through the stuff. You can see how big the transmitter is, what the new sensor bed looks like. Uh, there's even a working demo of the receiver if you're not a person who uses your phone. So check that out on the Facebook pages. I really appreciate that you guys are listening, that you're sharing the show, and those of you that are going on iTunes and reviewing it, very cool. I'll see you guys next week. <laughs>